The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. I want to talk today a little bit about what it is that keeps us from living an authentic life. Part of it is the delusions, the illusions and the lies that we believe that keep us from even considering that there is such a thing as the authentic self or that we can live an authentic life. We're so encumbered with these illusions and delusions and lies that we cannot see are literally blind to the authentic self and its messages and urgings. Well, today we're going to expose those illusions, delusions and lies for what they are and tell the truth about the authentic self. So you want to be here for the whole show today. So what are some of the lies? Well, you know, it's hard to say, accuse ourselves of lying, but we do lie to ourselves quite often. We can uh, minimize the effect of that lie by calling it denial, but it's a lie. It's not the truth, so therefore it's a lie. So without judgment, without uh, casting aspersions on us for, for what we've done, I want to just talk about what it is that we believe that isn't true. And the first and most fundamental thing that we believe that isn't true is that we're separate from the divine because we're bad and the divine is good. So if you've been listening to the show uh, for very long, you know that um, I have looked back at the root language of the Old Testament of the Christian Bible or the Jewish Tanakh, the Genesis story of of the Jewish Tanakh, the Bereshit, where uh, we are told that... um, There was a creation that happened, and from nothingness came this creation. And how long that took to happen is all symbolic. You know, what happened specifically is also all symbolic. And the story is metaphorical for the story of how the mind of man came to be, mind of humanity came to be. Not so much the physical body, although the physical body is addressed in there, but mostly how we came to think. And um, so the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the serpent, the masculine energy, which is personified in Adam, and the feminine energy, which is personified in Eve, all of those play into the psychological development of the humanity. And what, what the story basically tells us is that we came to believe at that tree of knowledge of good and evil that we were separate from the divine and that... Um, and we were separated because we were bad and the divine was good. And that, that from because we began to believe in separation, we had all the rest of the suffering that we've had since that time. So when uh, the, the, the scripture says that Adam was cursed, Adam wasn't really cursed. It was uh, what happened was his mindset had changed. 
He was now unable to see the abundant supply that was around him at all the t- all times. And so, therefore, he struggled and, and strained to get food to come out of the earth. And, and the ground would be dry because he, he just couldn't even imagine that it would supply for him of its own accord, as it had previous to that, previous to the eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, a lot of people call that time sin. That's when we sinned against God, that God wanted us to be these good people who would choose him over the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and we didn't. Uh, but if you look at the root language and the metaphor, you see something much, much deeper than that very black and white rendition, uh, and one that, that really does help us understand how we are in the dilemma we're in today, which is one in which we are still struggling to survive because we believe that our survival is dependent on what we do, how we do it, how well we do it, etc., because we don't believe that our supply comes from the divine. When we begin to believe that our supply comes from the divine, we start seeing all kinds of interesting little synchronistic miraculous events happen that prove to us that indeed our supply does come from the divine. Um, That's not the same as the law of attraction. If you've listened to the show very long, if you read any of my books, you know that that version of the law of attraction that we were taught by the books like The Secret and and Esther and Jerry Hicks' works um, is invalidated by the fact that we're one. We're one with all things and all people and all events and all circumstances and all everything, including money. So therefore, we don't have to attract it. That would mean we don't. It isn't. It isn't already. We aren't already one with it. We have to believe that we already have it because we already are one with the divine. So this this lie that we're separate from the divine because we're bad and the divine is good not only impacts how we see our uh, our ability to survive on this planet, but it impacts how we see ourselves as worthy or unworthy. And we're going to talk about that. So so the next thing that comes from this lie that we're separate from the divine is that we must work hard and struggle to stay alive. And so we see that kind of suffering all over the world. We live that kind of suffering in our daily lives because we believe that we have to struggle hard and work hard to stay alive. And that sort of bleeds down into the idea that our worth is to be measured by how hard we struggle. If we're working hard out there, you know, we're good people. If we're, we're doing kind things for other people, we're good people. Of course, nobody knows what we do behind closed doors, but we get judged as good if we're being kind to other people, and that makes us good people. And so we have this whole idea about what goodness is and what badness is, and um, you know, this is a whole book in itself, which I'm in the process of writing right now, but, but the idea is that goodness is, is generalized into this kind of concept of being nice, and badness is generalized into this concept of being mean. And so mean people are bad and nice people are good. And that black and white rendition sort of blurs the edges that we don't, we don't really see that there is no, uh, that the, they sort of cancel each other out in some ways in that goodness depends on badness for its very definition. And badness depends on goodness for its very definition. So if I'm, if I'm not bad, then maybe I'm good. And if I'm not good, then maybe I'm bad. And, and there's no maybe to it. We are. So it, 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 it's very polarized and it doesn't help us to see our lives as worth, worthy in and of themselves just because we're here. We don't measure a butterfly by whether or not it uh, 
you know, flies the right way or lands on enough flowers or moves enough pollen around uh, or, or a bird by how many times it lights or how, how much food it eats or how many ways it feeds its, its, uh, its young. So why do we measure ourselves that way? Well, we do that because we think another part of this idea that we're separate from the divine is that we're separate from other people, other animals, other people as well. Um, is that we're somehow on a higher level than the animal kingdom, that we're, we're fundamentally better because we have morals. And I would say that's what confuses us. Our morals are what confuse us. Yes, I said that. Our morals are what confuse us because our morals keep us stuck in that good-bad thing. And we can't really define goodness because goodness is, is you know, like I said, generalized into this kind of thing that says you're nice. Um, and badness is generalized in this kind of thing that says you're mean, but we don't. We forget that nice people can be mean, and mean people can be nice, and we forget that that uh, um, there's a lot of gray area when it comes to what goes on in the closets behind which we never see in a, a person's lives. We we are judging a person's value by whether or not they measure to some standard which we can't even define. Goodness is not definable. It's 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 variant with the, with its culture. So Osama bin Laden thought it was a good thing to come and blow air, over here and uh, fly airplanes into buildings. Uh, we disagreed. We don't think it's good, but he thinks it's good, or he thought it was good. And and uh, you know we might think that we might on the other vice versa side of that we think it's bad that he did that, and he thinks it's good. So. What's good and bad is up for grabs based on the culture, the, um, the, the family, the church, the, all kinds of things. There's all kinds of cultural, you know, step downs that we could go through to get to what is good and what's get bad. And it's so individualized that it's hard to determine. So we can't really define those things and yet we're judging our worth by them, which is very dangerous to judge our worth by something so nebulous as the terms goodness and badness. So, so that's one of the lies that keeps us stuck. We're, we're judging our worth by how hard we struggle, and we must struggle in order to survive. And so the, we're measuring our worth by how hard we struggle, and we're also measuring our, our worth by whether we're good or bad. And I say we should measure our worth uh, by stopping measuring it all, by, by allowing ourselves to be who we are. And in the beingness, we find life. We don't find it in striving. We find it in beingness. Uh, and that brings us down to the, la- this, the final rung of this ladder that is a lie, which says that we must always strive to be good. That striving is the problem. The striving says that, uh, that, that I'm worthy because I'm striving. I'm a good person because I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. Can't you see how hard I'm trying? You know, when you tell a child, you know, you should never do that again. And the child will say, oh, I'll try. And what they really mean is, I hope I can not do that again and make you so mad again. I don't really want to see that again. But we don't know that. We think that they're saying, okay, I'm going to strive to be good. Isn't that a good thing? He's going to be strive to be good. Well, you know, there's a passage in the Old Testament of the, of the uh, Christian Bible and of the Jewish Tanakh that says, to cease striving, to know that I am God. And I think that I translate that to mean cease striving to know my own divine nature. Because if I'm not separate from the divine, then I am 
particulate of the divine. I'm a molecule of the divine, and I'm constituent to the divine. I am, therefore, divine. Now, that, to many people, is blasphemy, because that's to say that I think I've got um, Jesus, or I'm a Messiah of some sort, or that I've come to save the world, but I'm not saying me, Andrea Matthews. I'm saying all of us are divine. Every person on the planet is divine. We just don't know it. And that's the problem. And because we don't know it, we live in the lie that we're separate from the divine. Therefore, we struggle. Therefore, our worth is measured by our goodness or badness. Therefore, we must always strive to be good. You see how these things sort of bounce off of each other. So that my, my a belief in the idea that I'm separate from the divine is what causes my struggling, is what causes my striving, is what causes me to feel like I must, uh, that my survival is dependent on what I do. When in fact, my survival is dependent on the grace that I am, which is my divineness, my divinity, my essence, my essential core. We, you know, we, we are so caught up in science these days that until a thing can be proven by sci- scientifically, it's, it has no value, it has no truth, it has no merit. And yet there's many things that can't be proven scientifically that have great merit. But because we can't uh, prove that the, the essence of who we are is divine, we believe that, that we can't really, you know, let ourselves know that. It's not provable. Well, certainly we have anecdotal evidence from people who have experienced mystical experiences, and that number of people is increasing daily. Uh, there, it, it's no longer relegated to the gurus and the, and the ascetics of, of the world now. There are many people in a common everyday life who meditate, who um, spend time exploring their spiritual natures, who have had mis- deep, profound mystical experiences that have changed their lives and therefore begin to offer change to the lives of those around them. So when, when we are busy striving, we're not ceasing striving to be present in our meditation to be in that place of beingness where we can have these mystical experiences where we can know uh, with a deep kind of knowingness that isn't necessarily scientific or based in empirical data, but it is a knowing that we are divine beings who, who are, um, we don't have to strive and struggle for our food, for our money, for our health. We don't have to do that. It, we have that already. We just have to come to believe that we have it already. And as we believe that we have it already, it begins to manifest in our lives. And that's the difference between really being in the soul and being present with the soul and expecting uh, the law of attraction to work for us, where the law of attraction says it's out there and I have to bring it in here by thinking only positive thoughts which if you've read my book, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Is Not Working and How It Can, uh, you see that you know, we don't attract because there's no need to attract. We already, are, we already have it. It's already ours. It already belongs to us. And so you know, in my own life, I've seen miracle after miracle, and I call them miracles because they're so profound, but really they are everyday experiences to the divine um, where... I thought, for example, that I was going to run out of money at a certain juncture, and that didn't happen. As a matter of fact, I had a lot of money come in uh, at that juncture simply because I was expecting that that's 
that was what was could be expected in the Garden of Eden. Um, the uh, the ground the grounds were watered because dew rose up out of the ground and watered the ground every day, and so there was no need for rain. Well, after the tree, the uh, law, of, excuse me, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the uh, we began to need rain because we believed after that point that we had to strive and struggle to make the earth cooperate with us and pl- grant us food. Um, so our our ideas about being separate from the divine are lies. Those They are not truth. They are therefore lies. And they make us feel that we must struggle and strive. They have us measuring our worth, which is, immeasur- is immeasurable. And they have us believing that strife is a good thing. And so we strive against ourselves to be good. We strive against ourselves to work harder than we want to. We strive against ourselves to struggle to stay alive. And all of that striving does is keep us out of touch with the authentic self, which has all the answers we need without us having to strive for them. So it's, it's a, a conundrum that has us twisted against ourselves and falling into the vortex that, of emptiness that, that only these lies can give us. But when we get to the emptiness, as the Buddha tells us, that emptiness is a very sacred space because it allows us to see that within the emptiness is the oneness that is all. So it's paradoxical, but we, we inevitably will come to understand who we are as divine beings. And that understanding will shift the world. It will shift us. It will shift our, and transform us all. Um, of course, these are just my beliefs. You can, you can decide whether or not you agree. That's totally what I would like for you to do. I want you to do your own research and figure out what you believe, what you not just believe, but what your inner knowing tells you. Um, but but for today, what we're saying is the lie, the basic lie, is that we are separate from the divine. And those lies create illusions. And the first illusion is that the world is a place of suffering in which people must struggle and suffer extensively. So we, we, we've come to believe in that world. We, we bring children into that world because we have this primal instinct that says, you know, there is... There is life. There is this essence of life that's joyful and peaceful and loving and kind and strong and open and receptive. And it's giving and it gives to us freely without us having to, you know, take it and grab it and struggle for it. Uh, We believe in that somewhere deep down inside of us. And that's why we continue to procreate and bring children into this world. But on the other hand, once we get into the world, after a while, we learn what everybody else is saying, which is that the world is a place of suffering in which people must struggle and suffer extensively. And we look around and we see it, so the evidence is right there. Well, of course, we suffer extensively. Look around. Hello, can you not see? People are starving. There's wars everywhere. There's genocide. There's serial killings. There's bad news on the, on, on the news all the time, in the media all the time. There's suffering. I mean, come on. you got, you got to be blind, deaf, and dumb not to see it. So, okay, what does that mean? Well, the world does suffer. It is certain that the world suffers. But why it suffers? Now, that's something we're going to talk about right after the break. It suffers because of the lie. So we're going to talk about that some more right after the break. Stay tuned for more.
the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Jeel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers, but are looking for more? The Open Door, brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality. Live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you may get a PhD, a doctor of ministry, or in the holistic theology program, a doctor of theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are holistic theology, holistic health, holistic ministries, metaphysics, and parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a spiritual gift but need to learn to hone it and to credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey 
to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing as your text writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. That's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. And today we are talking about the lies, the illusions, and the delusions that have kept us from understanding who we are as an authentic being, who we are as divine self, and how we can live an authentic life. And what we've said so far in the first segment of the show is that there are some basic lies, and the lies are that we are separate from the divine because the humans are bad and the divine is good, and we must therefore work hard and struggle to stay alive. And we can therefore measure our worth by our goodness or badness and how hard we struggle to stay alive. And therefore, we must finally always strive to be good. And what we've said is that that, those those, uh, lies keep us believing in an illusion. And the illusion, the basic illusion is that the world is a place of suffering in which people must struggle and suffer extensively. And that belief has us looking around looking for proof that it's absolutely true. The question isn't whether or not people suffer. We do suffer, no doubt about it. Why we suffer is the question. Do we suffer because we are bad people who left uh, our God behind at the tree of knowledge of good and evil and therefore we're being punished because we left that God behind and or maybe we're in this curse that says that we have to struggle for our food and that, that women will have labor pains when they produce children. What is it? What is the suffering? We've, Eastern belief says that we suffer because of karma. Western belief says that we cover, suffer because of sin. I say we suffer because of the lie. The lie is that we're separate from the divine because we're bad and the divine is good. And therefore... The world has become a place of suffering in which people seem to struggle and suffer extensively. But the illusion is that the world is a place of suffering in which people must struggle and suffer extensively. So somehow we have uh, taken what is, what we have created out of of the lie we believe, uh, and made it into a have to. We have to struggle because that's life, right? That's the way just life just is. That's just how it is. It's just people have to struggle and suffer extensively. In the Eastern religions, they believe that um, we can reach a place where we have out, outworn our karma, so to speak. We have uh, moved into another world where we, we are no longer suffering from the karma because we've burned it all off. We've lived a good enough life for enough times and a kind enough life for enough times that we no longer have to live in the world of karma. Now we've lived above karma. We transcend karma. Um, and uh, so that's the Eastern belief. The Western belief is that we, don't, we d- have only one life to live. There is no such thing as reincarnation, so there's no way to get, out of, get beyond karma one lifetime after another, as they believe in the East. But rather, we live a good life and we either go to heaven or we go to hell. That's a basic Western tenet. And um, so either way, there's still a lot of suffering in the world, either, whether whichever way we believe. But if we come to understand that the reason we see the world as a place that where we have to suffer is because we also believe that we're separate from the divine. 
then we begin to understand that our suffering is based entirely in that belief system. So if I, if I can believe that I am not separate from the divine, that I am one with the divine, if I can live from that deep inner essential core essence of who I am as a divine being, will that mean I will stop suffering? The answer is yes. But the answer is not yes because suddenly you'll be a good person or suddenly you've broken through karma where you've done enough good deeds to no longer have to have karma. But rather, it is because you understand life at its core essence where everything we have and want and need is already here. Everything that we are is divine, that our bodies are divine, that our minds are divine, that we live in spirit, that we can live out of that experience of divine nature, then we begin to not suffer. Now, have I arrived at that place? I'll tell you flat out, no, I have not. <laughs> There's, I still suffer because I still have blindness. We are all in this process together. Um, we are, and the process is one in which all of us as a collective are coming to understand who we are as divine beings. And in that process, what happens is all of us are impacted by the blindness, and it's really difficult for us to see through the blindness to who we are. And that's why meditation is so important, because in, de- in meditation, we're able to pass pa- go past the blindness and get to the core of who we are and be present with that awareness, at least for a while. And the more we do it, the more we're able to get to that place of, of, of awareness faster and more able to live from the divine place a little better. So have I arrived? No. I don't know anybody who has. But that doesn't mean that we can't or we won't. It only means that we're all in that same process together. And because we all, as the original masculine energy and the original feminine energy that, that Adam and Eve represented from the, from the uh, Jewish Tanakh, uh, the Bereshit or Genesis in the Old Testament of the Christian Bible, uh, that those energies are still present within us. We have a, a feminine and a masculine and we have the tree of knowledge of good and evil and we also have the tree of life and we have the serpent, which is a mixed me- metaphor. Of uh, It's been many times used in many different ways of goodness and badness. Um, the poison that kills us also heals us. The story in Numbers where the serpents went through the, the Israelites' camp and killed off some people who had done some things that were uh, supposedly against the will of God. And, um, and then they were inst- uh, Moses prayed for them, and they were instructed to look up at a bronze serpent that Moses made, and that was their healing, just observing that bronze serpent. So the, ser- the serpent killed them, and then they were to look, meaning they were able to see the bronze serpent, and bronze is a metaphor for what has been refined in fire. So when we look at our own refinement, when we look at our own process of coming to know who we are as divine beings, that that's how we begin to shift and grow and change into uh, that transformed understanding of life. And therefore, we don't suffer. Um, will that happen in my lifetime? We'll see. I know that there are uh, many things that could have been suffering in my own lifetime that turned out not to be. I know that when I have suffered in my lifetime, there has been great gain 
that I've received, and I don't mean in terms of learning experience. That's what we talk about, learning experience. I've literally had inner transformations occur as a result of the suffering that I did and staying in a meditative state while suffering or staying close to that meditative state or presence while I was suffering. So uh, that process brings you to another place inside yourself, not not to... Uh, something you learn, so to speak, that you, you've got that behavior down now and you know how to behave right. It's not that kind of learning. It's a real transformation from the, in the inner world where you, you just come from a deeper, more essential place inside yourself from after that. Uh, the other illusion that we live in is that life is hard and short. And that illusion says that that's just kind of how it is. It's just hard and short. You know, we live for a little while and then we're gone, and that's that. And we're from the Eastern religion. We believe that we come back to another life. If we're from the Western religion, we go to heaven or hell after we die. Um, And the hardness means that we suffer. The shortness means that we die. And that brings us to the next illusion, which is that sickness and death are just natural parts of living. And and that's just how it is. We People get sick. People die. That's how it is. And nobody wants that to happen. Nobody likes that that happens. But... People get sick and people die, and that's just how it is, and we need to just deal with that. Um, And it feels very unfair to us because that essential core in us says, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this. This is not how it's supposed to be. Uh, And we know that on a deep essential level. We know this is not how it's supposed to be because this is how it isn't. (laughs) It isn't really this way. This is the illusion we live in because we've perpetuated the lie that we're separate from the divine. Um, And so that, that... sickness and death as natural parts of living say well i don't know how i'm going to die i don't know whether i'll get cancer or i'll get you know uh, some other disease but i guess i'll die of some disease or maybe i'll die in a car accident or maybe i'll die fall off a mountain you know whatever i'm gonna die some kind of way but the truth is we don't die even when we appear to die we don't die and there are many people around the world that are having encounters with people who've passed on even as I speak this, right this now, at this moment now, that, that they're having literal encounters with people who have passed on to another transitional place. And uh, so, do we really die? Well, you know, we, we absolutely have shed a body, that's for sure. What that means, we'll, we'll eventually find out how that moves into the quantum world of, of uh, what, what happens with the body. We'll see. But... Uh, but what happens to us, the essential core of who we are? We don't die. That's what happens. That's the truth. The illusion is that we die. The truth is that we don't die. And so we move on and we do something else, whether it's come back to another life or we stay in some kind of other place that is heaven. Whatever that is, it is, uh, it's an interesting dynamic, a shift, a transition that is... Uh, people, more and more people are beginning to awaken to the possibility that that there is something that happens after death. There's even some TV, a TV show called Proof now, about, and there's been several other TV shows that have failed and some that have stayed that um, where they're exploring this whole concept of what happens after death. Proof is Proof is a very good show. I highly recommend it. So uh, if you want to see that, it's on I believe TNT. Um, little short blurb there for that show but um what it what we're basically saying is that um it's just really hard to be a good person in such a bad world that's that's an illusion that you know 
the world's a place of suffering in which people must struggle and suffer extensively. Life is hard and it's short. Sickness and death are natural parts of living, and therefore, it's very hard to be a good person in such a world. Um, but we have to be, because remember the original law says we must always strive to be good. So there's this counter-influence that's always going on where we know deep inside of us that these things don't really match our inner reality. Sickness and death don't really match our inner reality. But we know that they exist all the time in the world. And so we're, when we say it's not fair, what we really mean is it just doesn't feel right. This is not truth. This is not what's real. This is what is in front of me, but it's not really real, maybe. Um, so what's really happening when a person gets sick? I don't know. But I, I, there've been some re- there's been some research that has uh, documented that you know people are transitioning into new phases of mind when they get sick. Um, Deepak Chopra has done some work on that. Um, some of the cancer centers are doing some research on that. What's really happening when a person gets sick? Are they eliminating old psychological or spiritual issues through their illness that have to be sort of released in some kind of way? Um, I, I don't know. But I know that in the original frame where, where we're not separate from the divine, there's no sickness and death. Life isn't hard and short. Life is eternal. Because the tree of life is that in that same psycho-spiritual spot as was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And all we have to do is make the trip over there. And that's what we're doing here on planet Earth, is we're making the trip, the journey, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil to the tree of life. That's what all of us as a collective are doing, whether we're participants in Eastern religion or participants in Western religion. We're all doing the same thing. We're all making that journey from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is a metaphor for the belief in good and evil, uh, in separation from the divine, to the tree of life, where there never was any separation, there never will be any separation. We've always been in that tree of life. We've always been low-hanging fruit on that tree of life. So, uh, so we've we've come to understand life as this very difficult thing, um, and that's just how it is. That's what we expect it to be. And so we struggle and strive, and if we can get on top and be what we call successful or get on top and be good people, then we've, we've managed to be uh, in the upper class, the upper caste system of, of worthy people on the planet. We're worthy. And in, in, in America, we even measure a person's worth by their capital assets. Uh, we, you know, so we're, we're literally measuring our worth by how much money a person has in their bank account. And, you know, of course, we would, anybody, when we question that, we would say, of course, that's not their worth. Their worth is something else, whether they're good people or bad people. Well, that's not their worth either, because there is no such thing as good or bad. We made that up at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We made that up because we believed we were separate from the divine, and we had to understand why we were separate from the divine. Well, it made sense to believe that we'd done something wrong, because why else would the divine separate from us? Well, actually, the divine didn't separate from us. We just came to believe that he did. Because we ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which means we incorporated into the body-mind the belief that we were evil and the divine was good and therefore we couldn't be together with the divine. Um, And of course, that's just a metaphor, but it is archetypal in the minds of both Eastern uh, people that believe in Eastern religion and people that participate in Western religion. It's archetypal. It's a global 
uh, throughout that we have this belief in badness and goodness and that's why we've uh, in the eastern religion there's bad and good karma and in the western religion there's sin and goodness and you participate in one or the other to get to get your rewards so all right so those are the basic illusions now in the next segment we're going to talk about the delusion that comes out of these the lie and the illusion and so we're going to be right back to talk about that in just a minute you want to be here for that last one it's very important This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you ready to shift into higher consciousness? Are you ready for contact with beings from higher dimensions? Ancient and new spiritual technologies will help you take that evolutionary step. Find out more about this powerful shift when you tune in to Conscious Evolution Radio with Ann Gelsheimer. Let's help humanity evolve, bringing in the best possibilities and ideas that our world needs right now. Conscious Evolution Radio can be heard live every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Everyone can learn to communicate with their loved ones in spirit. When you tune in to School of Miracles Radio with Heather Scavetta, you'll learn more about how to develop the ability to see, hear, and feel your loved ones in spirit, as well as spirit guides, masters, angels, and higher beings of light that make up the invisible world. School of Miracles Radio airs live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. Have you ever felt as if you don't fit in? Are you in need of a breakthrough? You might even need to connect with your angels or a loved one on the other side. Tune in to Exploring the Full Spectrum Life with host Michael Lott. Michael and his guests will provide fresh perspectives, inspiration, healing, and insights for your life. It's time to move into new dimensions in your life and fulfill your higher creative calling now. Start by listening live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back. Uh, what we were talking about today is what it is that keeps us from living authentically. And what we've said is that there are several lies, each one building on the other, and several illusions, each one building on the other, that have kept us. So the lie is what we believe, the illusion is what we see because of the belief, and the delusion is what we experience. Okay, so the lie is that we, li- we are separate from the divine because humans are bad and the divine is good and we must therefore work hard and struggle to stay alive because there is no supply 
from the divine for us. We have to get it for ourselves because we're separate from the divine. And we can measure our worth by our goodness or our badness, which has to do with uh, our value as a human being. We, we, uh, we believe that we're, because we're bad and the divine is good, we somehow have to get better so we can get close to the divine and therefore be more worthy people. And therefore, we must always strive to be good. Those are the lies. The illusion, which is what we see, is we see a world of suffering in which people must struggle and suffer extensively. We also see that life is short and, and hard. We also see sickness and death as just natural parts of living. And we also see how very hard it is to be a good person in such a world. And so those are the, the, those are the lies and the illusions. Those all lead to the delusion of experience. And what we, the experience is that we live in a body and a mind that is separate from the divine. So I can think thoughts that the divine wouldn't think. And I can live in ways that the divine wouldn't live. That's what we, the delusion. But what we find when we actually do sort of the autopsy on a specific thing in our lives and we look for the spirit in it, what we find is that uh, what, we, what we have experienced has brought us to a deeper place spiritually, if we're open to it. Um, it certainly has that capacity to bring us to a deeper place. And, you know, if there are other lives, which I believe there are, we do reincarnate. That's my belief. You get to decide what you believe. But um, in that way, what happens is, it, you know, I may have an experience and have the same experience and have the same experience and have the same experience. But each time it hits me at a different level and a different level and a different level so that eventually... Even though it doesn't look to the outside world like I'm waking up, eventually I begin to wake up. Maybe not in this life, maybe not in the next life, but in one life I will eventually wake up and see who I really am, or at least see that in part. Um, as, as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13 when he says, for now we look in a mirror and we see ourselves dimly, but then later we will come to see ourselves face to face. And what I think he meant by that was we would come to see who we are. As divine beings, so uh, because he was talking about a mirror there, so uh, we, 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 in the delusion, we live in a body and a mind that is separate from the divine. So we live in a body that can betray itself. We live in a mind that can that can uh, think bizarre thoughts and believe bizarre things and um, sabotage us in its belief systems. Um, the body is a divine issue. The div- we are made in the divine image. The body is a part of that image. The, so it's a very important increment. And the body does talk to us all the time if we're listening. It does tell us what we need. It does tell us what we need to feed it, what we need to clothe it, what we, how we need to, to house it. it. It tells us all kinds of things that are spiritual as well. The body, the hair that raises on the back of your neck when you're afraid, that fear is coming to give you a message about your life. Um, that body, the body was involved in that, uh, that message giving. And so the body can give us great pieces of information about spirit. Um, I remember one time many years ago, I had surgery on one of my knees. It was an arthroscope on one of my knees. And I had a dream uh, in which uh, my knee was somehow involved in this uh, um, Indian, Native American uh, war in which white people were taking over Indian territory and killing people by the masses, which, of course, we know they did. Um, 
and uh, so so the in the dream somebody opened a teepee tent door and it said and the people inside said abandonment well it was a battle of wounded knee that i was dreaming about now who knows if that how realistic that was but obviously the metaphor was applicable in my life there was some abandonment issue that i felt that was uh, that was creating this bad knee situation and uh, I began to work on that issue, and, and of course, my knee got a lot better. The doctor told me I would never be able to do squats again, and I do squats all the time now. So uh, so I worked on that issue and, and, and saw some different results. Now, some people would say, well, that's just a coincidence. You just managed to keep doing your exercise. And that's okay, but I know how I changed as a result of that dream and how I, I believe my physical body changed as a result of that. So these are experiences um, and experience can belie its other alternative experience. So the delusion is that I live in a body and mind that's separate from the divine. The reality is I live in a body that is divine and a mind that is divine. I just don't know it. And uh, what I need to do is come to know it. So uh, that experience begins to outweigh the other the more I work with that experience. Um, the second delusion is that therefore the body and mind can get sick and can die. So because the body and mind are separate from the divine, they can die. And we just said in the previous uh, segment that there is no such thing as death. We, we've also come to believe that. We also have seen that many, many people around the world have had real experiences with people from, who have passed on and can anecdotally tell us about those experiences and they seem pretty amazing. So we, if we live in the science head uh, where I, I often call some scientists, not all of them, but some scientists uh, fundamentalists in their belief systems because they just won't look beyond what's empirical to see any other possibility. And they're just rigidly argumentative about that, that they're going to hold on to that belief that their science is correct and nothing else but science is correct. And so if you tell them about an anecdotal experience that's spiritual in nature, they're just going to call that fluff and woo-woo and just way too much you know, it's not, it's not really true. It can't be validated, so forget it. It's not true. Um, but uh, I like them. Well, I mentioned the TV show called Proof on TNT because they're trying to merge science with this whole idea of uh, life after death in a way that's interesting uh, because you can see how closed-minded science can be to this idea that they don't even want to hear you talk about it. No, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to think about it because and that's just as fundamentalist as a as a fundamentalist Christian or a fundamentalist uh, uh, Muslim who swears that you you know you can you're not allowed to talk about that stuff in my office because or in my room or in my space because I don't want to hear it because it scares me it scares me because I might have to question my beliefs and that's a lot of scientists are the exact same way so I call science fundamentalism sometimes but but the idea is that um, the body can get sick and die because the body and mind are separate from the divine, but we experience something different when we experience the spiritual realm beyond death. And so we begin to go, okay, well, let's put some question marks around that, and maybe then we begin to open up even more and even more and even more until finally we awaken to who we are as divine beings. 
And uh, so if the body and mind can uh, get sick and die, that also means that the mind can live in very distorted ways. Well, we certainly see that happening. And uh, the, the experience of a distorted mind is very, very difficult. And certainly I work with the distortions that mind can create in my practice as a psychotherapist all the time. But a lot of it is based in belief. Um, uh, I have had this experience, therefore I interpret this experience to be X, Y, and Z, when in fact it's not X, Y, and Z at all. I've just interpreted it that way. So uh, a child is born, I mean a child's mother is murdered when he's 10 years old. The child is 10 years old and the child grows up believing that it's his fault because he, um, he had an argument with his mother that day and uh, wanted to go and spend the night with a friend and because he had a crush on the girl that lived with the, fr- the friend. And so he left home, and still mad at his mother who, ha- who he had manipulated into acquiescence. And so then she had somebody break into the house and murder her that very same night. And he believed it was all his fault and began to drink and use substances until finally he became a heroin addict and stayed in that condition for many, many years until finally one day in treatment, he broke down and began to, to really sob and had this massive cathartic experience in which he became to understand that that belief was completely false. And he'd been living out of that belief all his life. So yes, we can distort things dramatic in dramatic ways that really um, have us living in a whole other dimension of life than we could be living if we could see the truth. But that doesn't mean that those distortions are correct. Uh, so the delusion is that my distortions are correct. And the, 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 body, the body and mind can get sick and die means that I can have a distorted mind. I can experience my life in distorted ways. And certainly that piece is true. We absolutely do do that. I remember once many, many years ago when I first started getting into the mental health world, I worked in a uh, day treatment program for the seriously mentally ill, and I had a client who was schizophrenic who came to see me and thought that he had a knife in his back, and he would come to see me every morning and ask me to remove the knife from his back, and I would pretend to remove the knife from his back, and he would go on and have his day, and the next morning he'd come back in and ask me to remove the back knife from his back again, and that was how he lived, That and he was on medication, and so he was fairly functional, and that was as good as it was going to get, or so we thought, so, you know, I don't know how good it could have gotten for that guy, but at that time in my life, the the idea uh, that we all lived in in the mental health world was he was on medication, he was in a group home, he was safe, and that was the best we were going to be able to do for him. Um, So, you know, those same kind of beliefs have happened in our experience of planet Earth. Well, we believe there's a knife in our back when really there is no knife in our back. We believe we're, divi- we're, we're separate from the divine when really we're not separate from the divine at all. Never have been and never will be. And we believe that we've reasoned out that, well, the reason we're separate from the divine and we experience ourselves as separate from the divine is because we are bad people and the divine is a good entity. So we, we must have to find some way to bridge that gap. And the only way we can think of to bridge that gap is that we need to become good people. And if we must become good people, then maybe all this suffering will go away and we won't, live, we won't die and we won't get sick and people won't be hungry and we won't have to struggle for food. We'll be okay. And that's just not the path. The path isn't in trying to be good or better people. We're good enough as we are. What the path is, is 
to realize who we actually are as divine beings. And if we open up to that, we see this in the deeper root language of the Christian Bible and the Jewish Tanakh. We see it in the Bhagavad Gita. We see it in some of the Buddhist sutras and the Hindu uh, Vedas. We see it, this same truth in every mystical written word there is, that we are divine beings and that there, that there is no separation from the divine. And yet, we keep believing that we're separate from the divine. And the people who've had mystical experiences understand that oneness is all there is and all there ever was and all there ever will be. Um, but we can't hold on to that for very long because we're all in this groupthink. We're all in this collective groupthink that says that we're separate from the divine and that because we are, the, places, the world is a place of suffering in which people must struggle and suffer extensively. And we have the experience of a body and a mind that's separate from the divine. So our experience seems to uh, indicate that that original belief that we're separate from the divine must be true. But it isn't true. We need to change our beliefs by changing, our, changing from lie to truth, changing from illusion to truth, changing from delusion to truth, so that we're not experiencing ourselves as uh, separate from the divine anymore. We're experiencing ourselves as divine beings who know only truth, who know only healing, who know only love, who know only life, life that is eternal right here on planet Earth in a body form. I don't know what that body form is going to look like, but the body is a part of it, a mystical part of it. So that's what we have for today. We've looked at the hard parts of telling the truth. We've looked at the lies, the illusions, and the delusions uh, on the flip side of truth. Uh, to try to sort of bridge that gap, to try to help us see what it is that keeps us from being able to live that authentic life. And so what I would encourage each of us to do is to continue our meditational practice in presence of the, with the divine nature we are and to uh, continue that in a way that allows our experience to open up to receive more and more of who we are as divine beings. And that's it for today. Uh, we're going to be back again next week, so be here, be here for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.